Hello, this is Brody Haight from Life on Fire podcast. It's episode three, and today we are really excited because we have Sean Crookshank with us from E3 Ministry Canada. Sean is going to share his incredible journey with us today. And we also launched our first live stream on YouTube. So if you love videos, please subscribe, like, and comment so we can reach more people with the algorithms and share these incredible stories and teachings and so much more. If you would like to donate, please look in the descriptions below and all donations in Canada are tax deductible and we really appreciate your donations because we can make more content to share with you. And yeah, we're just excited uh, to be sharing tonight Sean's story of faith. And I'm excited because I've got to travel with Sean to the Philippines. Um, we've traveled in Canada together and we've seen God do some incredible things. And Sean, you have such an awesome testimony and I just love what God's done in your life. Oh man. And it's good to have you. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I just remember the first time I met you was, I think it was about 2015 or 2016, 27. No, it would have been about 2015, 2016. And you and Jeremy came to the camp when I was the executive director and you helped with our MDT, which is our discipleship training kind of school we had for a week for teenagers there. And uh, that was the first time I met you and heard your story of faith. And, um, and it was like, it's just been a, a, a great ride ever since. Hey? <laughs> it feels like it's been like, 20 years since then because I like so much, <laughs> so much has happened. So yeah. much has happened and it's been so much fun. Mm. Oh, it's been incredible. So yeah, uh, so much growth. So yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. I was thinking like, uh, Sean, if you could share uh, with us tonight, um, just when, when did your faith journey start? One of the earliest memories of my faith journey um was when I was seven and I was at like a VBS or some kind of like Bible club school at my church. And uh, I remember that the I don't I don't know who it was, but they shared the gospel and and I understood the gospel of Jesus coming to save people who need needed saving. Like I had no con I understood what sin was, I understood that people need needed saving. But what stuck with me was that um, I remember because I got into the car and my mom picked me up and I said, um, mom, I'm going to be a missionary. And she was like, oh, why? And I said, <laughs> well, because people need to know what Jesus has done. And uh, she was pretty cool. She said, um, yeah, okay, just make sure you finish school first, <laughs> that sort of thing. But um, And I'd kind of forgotten about that um, over the years because I didn't have – I understood the gospel I think I believed it because I even got baptized as a 13-year-old and I, and I understood. But I had no one to disciple me. I, I, there was no one that was uh, explaining to me what my new nature was all about, what my new identity was. And I remember very distinctly as a teenager because I started going through stuff like every, teenager's, every teenager goes through. And I remember the closer I would feel to God, the more ashamed I would be of myself and of my sin. And that drove me away from God. And so I would go to youth for a while and I'd be part of the youth and I would like it and I would hear what like these things about God. And then I would just feel more and more ashamed and convicted and not convicted. No, just ashamed because I, I learned later that conviction is something different that the mm. Holy Spirit brings in, but shame is something from the enemy. So mm. I believed what the enemy was saying, Sean, you're not good enough. Uh, God is holy. You are obviously not holy mm. and, and all of these lies. And, and so it became, I remember even asking my mom, I was like, mom, why do I always feel the closer I get to God, the worse I feel. And then mm. I just I just want to give up. And, um, yeah, we were going through some stuff as a family. My father, unfortunately, made some, some bad choices and struggled with some heavy addictions. And uh, But he was like he... He was a guy that was in the church, and so he was deeply, obviously deeply ashamed um, and of, of the things that he was going on because I don't think he ever knew his own identity either. And so one day as a teenager, I think I was 16 at the time, I woke up, my dad wasn't there, and I said, like, where's, where's dad? And they're like, oh, no, they flew him to Johannesburg. He's, 
he's going to be there for a while. And I was like, uh, he's at a drug rehab, isn't he? And my mom's like, yeah, how do you know? I'm like, it's obvious. Like I've seen injections in the bathroom and then, you know, things like that. And um, so that kind of made me pull away from God. I just don't think I thought of God at all. I was like, okay, everything I believed in my family, my dad, um, is was just not really true. So what I started doing was um, I just started going after pleasure and acceptance. Like mm. if I can sum it up in two words, I wanted to have fun and I wanted to make friends. Mm. I wanted people to love me, um, but I didn't have a, a strong moral compass that would, I mean, I had a moral compass. Like I wasn't going to be, you know, taking drugs and sleeping around. I was just a teenager. Yeah, I still wanted to finish school. So in my head, I, I thought I was a good person. And um, I just, yeah, but I didn't have the moral compass of like, you know, that you are holy, you're forgiven, you're clean. Like none of that was even even entering into my my psyche. And so I um, I got some money when I turned 21, which was a a I don't know if it was a bad idea or not, but some <laughs> grandfather, great grandfather's uncle that I'd never met had left me some money and it was just enough to get a plane ticket mm. to England mm. and have about 600 pounds of cash, which then was a lot of money. <laughs> That's all I had. And uh, I, I had a work permit and and that. So I wanted to go and find myself. And eventually you know, this find myself stuff is so ridiculous um, because I – all I wanted to do was get lost and that, <laughs> that I wanted to be away from everyone and everything that I knew. Mm. And I remember there was a time that I was working at a, at a pub in London and I was standing, it was a pub in Mayfair, London. And, and I was standing on a corner and I'd been feeling like conviction from the Holy spirit about my lifestyle up until that time. It was, you know, and like I was just, there was parties and there was weed and there was women mm. and, um, I just, uh, I felt guilty. And I said to God, God, I want you to leave me alone. Mm. Uh, I don't want to feel guilty about this stuff anymore. And it was so strange because I felt as if the Holy Spirit lifted his hands off me <laughs> and went, okay. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm free. <laughs> and so I would carry on with this lifestyle, but it was just making me feel worse and worse mm. about myself. And they really, it wasn't a freedom. It was like I was caught in the trap of, of finding the next pleasure or looking, mm -hmm. is there more pleasure or is there better friends? Or, And um, I remember the one night it was raining in London and um, I, was, I was a night off and I had nowhere to go and no one to see. And I was looking around for someone who looked like a, a priest or an imam or a pastor <laughs> or someone spiritual with a collar. I wanted to like go up to them and say, hey, man, the stuff that you know, like, is it true? Because I, I, I feel like I'm lost. Um, <laughs> Sean, and, how, uh, Sean, how old were you like, so when this was, was going on? I was about 23 or 24 at the time. Okay. Or maybe even 25. Um, when I like during this time it was all going on. So I went, one of the saving graces, I mean, there were a few ways that God stepped in, like so many. One, I heard about this camp in New Jersey in America. And uh, the guy that I worked uh, for at the pub, the landlord of the pub, he had worked at this camp and it was a camp for children with special needs. Hmm. And it was for children with severe special needs problems, like the, the children that couldn't get into the other camps, they would come to this camp. Um, and I... Uh, I wanted to go and there was a big Camp America fair in London and you would go and you would try and impress the boss. And, and like, I was like going for this interview. I so badly wanted to go. And, uh, and I got the job. I found out later that you just have to come and have warm blood and like, you'll get the job. But for me, it was like a serious, like job interview. I was dressed well. And I was like, I really want this job for the summer. And I met some of the most amazing people there. I met some of the most, the people that I met there, like one of the guys is to this day, still my best friend. Hmm. Uh, we speak almost, if not daily, certainly weekly. And, um, and uh, I met him there, but the, a couple of things happened there. So we're young people. We're all from Britain, Ireland, you know, like the UK area, somewhere from Germany. So we're from Europe and we're cheap labor and we're working with these amazing people. And so all we want to do is actually party. 
and the minimum that we can do. So we would sleep sometimes two or three hours a night. Mm. Uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. And then in my dorm, there was this Chinese guy that would never come out and party with us. And he was the nicest guy. He wasn't <laughs> judgmental at all. And he just had this drawing that he had done that says Jesus loves you and he'd stuck it on the back of his bed because there's like 10 of us guys sleeping in a dorm and it bugged me is that like you know but he was so nice that I couldn't be like oh he's judging because he wasn't judging us he was just super nice and there was another thing that happened <laughs> the parents of some of the children that had these incredible disabilities that were obviously so much work and we realized how much work they were they needed care like 18 to 19 hours a day and um but these parents had so much joy generosity love and they would be like hey sean we're just so thankful that you're going to be looking after our son this week and we just want to say god loves you and bless you and i'm like wow these people are so nice how come they're not stressed out <laughs> like i'm stressed out having this kid for a week and they're not stressed out and what i found out later is they, these people just knew jesus they knew who jesus was and that chinese guy i don't know can't remember his name but i'm going to see him in heaven one day and i'm going to say i'm going to tell him you made such a difference because you 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 weren't judgmental. Like you saw what we were doing, man. We would go to work sometimes, being like if, if not drunk, hungover for sure. And um, so this kind of went on, and it, it was an amazing time. But I went back to England, and I worked actually got a job working for uh, a young man as a carer um, for this guy that had severe disabilities. And, uh, um, my, my best friend, Kenny helped me get that job because he just said, take pictures of your work in America and just show the parents and tell them stories. And that's what I did. And I got this job and, um, I loved the job. Um, but I, that was the only thing like that job. And my friend Kenny was the only thing that was keeping me, um, from <laughs> bad, yeah. bad things. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I came back to South Africa eventually, like after about two and a half years. And, um, I met these young people. My mom was like, so I didn't know, I kind of knew, but I'd forgotten that she'd been praying for me all the time during this time that I had, like, that I told God I wanted nothing to do with him. And, and so I came uh, came back uh, to South Africa, and uh, she invited me to come to a church with her. And I met these young adults there, and they were super friendly. I didn't know any Christian people at the time. Like, I didn't know anyone my age was believed this stuff. And they said, hey, um, yeah, like, tell us about yourself. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I worked at these camps. And they were like, oh, man, we have, like, children's ministry here. So, like, they broke the cardinal rule of working with children. They're like, some random guy you've just met, get him to come and help out with the kids. Um, it's, like, insane. Like, no background check. Wasn't a believer. And they, they're like, yeah. And, and I still, but I owe them so much because I saw in them, like, something different. I saw a genuine love, a love for children, a want to serve. I saw great friendships in them. And... Um, and then I started hearing from like the, uh, the pastor there about, about Jesus and about God. And I, um, uh, I went home one night and I don't know if it was a Sunday night, but it was, it was just a night. And I think it was after being at the church or being with, like I started hanging around with these Christian people more. And um, I was lonely at the time, man. Like I had these friends, but I knew there was stuff wrong in my life. And my prayer to God was this. God, I know you exist. I know that Jesus was real. But I don't love Jesus. Hmm. And I don't love the Bible. Like, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. If you can change those two things in my heart, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. <laughs> wow. And I know yeah, that was... I know there's mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of people out there uh, probably thinking the same thing as you talk. Well, yeah. So it wasn't even I didn't confess my sin at the time. I wasn't like like drowning in the weight of my sin. I was just like, God, I know I don't love Jesus, hmm. and I know I don't love the Bible. Like if you can, I can't change those things in me. You change it. And so God did something. He slowly started changing my desires. He started changing. Like he gave me a love for Jesus that I was like, oh, this is this is cool, man. This is an understanding of the Bible and the love for the scriptures. 
And then when I was reading the scriptures, I'm like, oh, this is why Jesus had to die. It's because of my sin, mm. the, the, the way like that I was. Like someone had to take the punishment for that. And, and if, if it wasn't Jesus or if I didn't accept it, it was going to be me one day standing in front of God and saying, okay, I need to be you know, punish me for, for what I've done because I know the things that I've done were terrible. Um, and that was, you know, um, that was the, the, the change. And then, so who knows when I was saved? I don't know. Like it was sometime during that time, but I remember there was a hunger for the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I, because I'm like, I know Jesus. I know the Father. I want to get to know Holy Spirit. And so <laughs> I had some people who spoke in tongues and they were like, you've got to speak in tongues. And I would be on my, on the floor of my, my bedroom um, on my knees going, Jesus, like, give me, give me tongues, please. And I'd be like, it's so close, like, so close. And I'd be like <laughs> worshiping God and I could sense the, the Holy Spirit with me and everything, but no tongues. And, um, <laughs> so, and then, so you really wanted, like, you were really like hungering after I that. I was yeah. hungry. Because, um, like the tongues is so interesting. Cause when I first got saved, somebody prayed over me speaking, yeah. speaking in the spirit. I was like, Whoa, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> But then a hunger, a hunger grew in me for to want that though. <laughs> That's so cool. I um, I spoke to a pastor at the time, and he um. So I'm I'm not going to mention what church it was, but it, it was a church that said no. All the gifts and everything ceased by the by the when the New Testament was written, when it was finished written, there was no need for the Holy Spirit to do the supernatural. Now it's the Word of God. We have the Word, and we have Holy Spirit in us. And I'm like, um. I mean, sure, but it just something didn't sit like I couldn't I couldn't line that up with scripture completely. Mm. And I heard their arguments and there were some good arguments like it's by faith alone, by, you know, scripture alone, like good conservative, you know, theology. And uh, and I was surrounded by people who were highly intellectual and they wanted to study the word of God. And, and, I, and I appreciated that. But still, there was this hunger. And then I also met some people who were so free, who would like speak in tongues, could worship in a way that was just different to the way that we worshiped. And I'm like, oh, I want that. Um, but uh, that didn't happen for a while. That actually happened um, quite a bit later. So anyway, I went to... Um, because I'd made this promise to God, I'd said, like, if you can do those things, I'm going to serve you. And I meant that. And then I remembered what I'd said when I was seven, that, like, that people need to know the story of Jesus. Mm. I remembered it, was, it wasn't easy to not remember, but I had no friends. By this time, I had made some. But all the people I loved dearly, the people I worked at with Camp America, um, the people I'd worked with in England, the people I partied with, the friends that I knew, solid people, loved them, but they were also searching. They mm. like they they were lost. And uh, my best friend, I was just like, man. Um, so I, um, so I, I realized, okay, I'm going to have to go to seminary and so by this time I'm working at the church, I'm like the youth pastor and, and I'm going to go to seminary. But I'd also at that time, and this was over a course of a few years, I'd said to God, you know, God, I'm not going to, I don't even want another, like, I don't even want a girlfriend or anything until I meet my wife. Like mm. you've made me new. I know that I've made mistakes, but I want to, uh, like as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I want to be like new. And uh, I walked into church one night and I saw this woman worshiping and I still remember her like eyes were closed and her hand was up and I was sad because she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. And I was sad because I'm like, she is completely out of my league. And one day I'm sure I'm going to get married. Um, but um, I'm always going to think of this woman like that I've just seen that I was totally was like, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And I'm always going to, so I felt, I felt sad because I'm like, one day I'll be married and I'll, I'm sure I'll love my wife, but I'm always going to remember this woman. Mm. And, um, and so I, I didn't think I had any chance. And then, and she had a boyfriend anyway, at the time he was this tough looking guy with a tough looking beard. And uh, then one day he wasn't there and, I, um, so I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So she, um, always used to run out after church and I went out after her one day 
I'm like, hey, so a few of us are going to go for coffee. You want to come? And she like actually smiled at me and she said, yes, okay, I'll come. And so she she did come and we had coffee. And then uh, a mutual friend was having an engagement party. And um, this is relevant to my faith journey, by the way. Yeah. That's why I'm telling you this. A mutual friend was having a, 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 an engagement party and I thought she was going to be there. But I didn't think that she even remembered or, or knew that I existed. Like I found out she was going to be a doctor and she was like, she was just levels above me. And and all my friends were like, dude, forget it. <laughs> She's out of your league. And I'm like, oh, okay. But I heard she was going. So she went and I was organizing a pony trekking trip in the kingdom of Lesotho. So you go in these mountains on ponies, they're like, they're they're kind of like horses they're almost exactly like horses um i don't know why they're called pony tracking but and uh i'd done this with the young adults and it was cool because you stay in these mud huts and it's just awesome and uh so i i told her about this and i'm like would you like to come would you be interested in coming and i said i'm organizing this she said yes and so the whole the whole night we were actually just talking and i'm like i read this girl might like me Mm. And uh, so I told my friend and he, uh, one of my close friends at the time, he's like, dude, forget it, man. There's so many guys that like her. Like, he's just no way. Um, but if you want to like get in there quick, you know? So um, I, I asked her if she would like to just meet for coffee. And then I just told her like my story. I said like my, the rest of my life, I just want you to know um, this is where I've come from, but I want to serve God. I want to serve God in mission. I want to reach lost people with the gospel and and uh, that's who I am and then she was like okay cool so do you want to go out sometime or yeah <laughs> so like we went to a movie uh we went and watched a movie and uh that night and I was so stupid like I do not recommend this if you are watching and you're a young man but that night I said to her I just want you to know that I told God I'm not going to date anyone unless I find the girl I want to marry. And so I want to marry you and I want to court you. And that's why I'm dating. And uh, she went home that night and she told her dad, I met the guy I'm going to marry. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. So it was, it was super cool. Um, and the reason that's relevant is because I didn't tell her that I was going to be a pastor. I didn't tell her. I said, like, I'm going to be a missionary. I want to share the gospel with people. And that resonated with her. So I went to seminary, uh, she moved, uh, she was studying, she was still studying and she started specializing in that in Cape Town and we moved to Cape Town. I went to seminary, uh, we got married six months later. So it was like new city. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. New city, new friends, um, new church and, um, and I'm studying and, and she's working and it was, um, it was interesting because, I, I enjoyed studying and I enjoyed seminary, but after the, the while, I actually got a job offer as a pastor. Mm. And and we we actually went to England because I went for a – she was going to do a stint of work there, like a six-month stint of work. I was going to do a mission trip there through my seminary, and we went, and I actually said, um, oh, by the way, I've been given a job offer as a pastor, as the, as the youth pastor in this church. And it was a really nice church. It was a, it was a good church. And, um, and she was like, oh. And I'm like, oh, I thought you'd be happy. And she was like, oh, well, yeah, I thought we were going to live in England uh, for a while maybe, you know. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I really think we should do this. And so I kind of said we should do it. And, and she said, okay. Um big mistake from my part although i have learned and god restored that because over the years she would become more and more frustrated with my job i would become frustrated and it kind of blew up and this is our journey of how we came to canada is i remember one night i just said to her, why can't you be um you know why can't you be like excited for me that that i'm you know, I'm in ministry. Like, and she was like, well, you were never going to be a pastor. You were going to be a missionary. And I was like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, you know, she's right. Um, you go to seminary. They don't teach you how to be a missionary. This was the seminary. And I think they've changed now. So I'm not slandering the seminaries, but um, they do teach you how to be a pastor because that's what they expect. And I, um, so God was stirring the stuff in my marriage. Like my wife is like, yeah, you shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. I had a great small group 
and um, uh, just all people my, my age, and many of them actually ended up going into ministry as well in different ways. But uh, I said to them, will you pray with me? And I spoke to my pastor at the time, and I said, will you pray with me because God is doing something, and I don't know what it is. Mm. And he said, uh, wise words. He said, Sean, pray as if money is no object. And I was like, wow, okay. So I'm just going to dream big about the, the best job that I could possibly have. And so I put this, not quite a business plan, but a plan in place of the best job that I could with all my skills that I knew at the time, my passions, my dreams. And I presented this to my wife and she was like, oh, that's, that's you. Like, that's definitely you. Uh, it, there's no job like that. And I was like, yeah, I know. So I showed our small group and they were like, sure. Yeah, that's so exciting. That's definitely you. But the job like that does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I know. Um, so I thought, well, and we both thought, well, maybe we could look um, elsewhere. Maybe we can go to England or the US and I could do some more studies in experiential education because it was very much um, educating through experience. Like it might sound familiar to you now in ministry, mm -hmm. but that's the way I was like, I was kind of going in my mind and was going to be with families, with people. There would be discipleship, there'd be adventure, there'd be, you know, all these different facets. And um, so we we were going to go to England. Uh, we had a kind of a job lined up for my wife. Um, God closed that door. We were thinking of the US. God closed that door. Uh, we thought of Australia for a bit, and we're like, no, that's way too far away. Um, and so that door, I think we closed. But one night, and by this time, we've got a little boy. He's just uh, two or three months old. Uh, my wife's at home with him one Sunday night. I'm in church, and I remember I'm um, – I'm like, I'm not even listening to the pastor. I don't know. I'm just thinking about like all these things going on. And uh, I was staring at the back of the head of one of the youth. And I don't know if you'll ever see this. I'm not even going to mention his name, but he was one of those troubled youth guys who just always made the youth pastor mad. And the youth pastor would put a lot of energy into this guy. And I just did. Anyway, I was looking at the back of his head and I was like, hmm. And then it was as if the words Canada just came down, like, in front of my eyes. Like, Canada. And it was Canada. And it was in red as well, which, which, like, I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. That has never happened to me before. And I went home. This is, like, 10 minutes later. This was at the end of the service. I go home. My wife's on the phone with someone. And I, I see, oh, it's actually a doctor friend of hers who's just come back from Canada. So my wife hangs up the phone. She says to me, hey, Sean, what about Canada? Oh, wow. yeah. So let me tell you what just happened like 10 minutes ago in church. It's like God gave me, I don't know, a vision or something. Um, I'm a good Baptist boy at this time. I don't believe in visions and all that stuff. And, <laughs> but it happened. So, so I'm, just, I'm just teasing. I, like, I, Baptist. I love Baptists. Um, but when we started exploring that, God opened the door. And um, so we found out I could work. This was in 2006 now. Okay. So I found out I could work anywhere in Canada with my education. But at that time, they really needed doctors in like Nova Scotia or Saskatchewan. Okay. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, I can go anywhere. We'll go where you get a job. And then she, the first job offer she got was like in, no, or I think, I don't know if it was Nova Scotia or something like that, but like I know icebergs would float by the harbor and that just <laughs> did not sound cool to me. And so we're like, nah, I don't think so. It was a very small town and uh, little did I know of Prince Albert. But um, the next guy who phones her up, uh, his first question, and he's from Saskatchewan, and he phones her up, he said, what does your husband do? And she's trying to explain about this crazy business thing that her husband has dreamt up that doesn't even exist to this guy she's never met. Um, and he goes, oh, oh, that's interesting. My, my wife goes to this church in Prince Albert, and they've got a, a summer camp associated with their church. I'll get the pastor to give your husband a call. And that was it. Then they carried on with their, their thing and their interview, and she got offered that job. But a couple of days later, this pastor calls me, and our hearts just knit like that. Like everything that I put down on paper, I told him, I said, I know this job doesn't exist, but I feel these are my strengths that God has called me to. And he's like, well, we have a camp associated with our church. And, mm -hmm. and like 
Yeah, you, you could like some of the things you're describing would definitely work there. And so the next morning, I went um, to uh, to work and I I typed in Google Maps. I typed Prince Albert and I put my hand on the screen and I said, "Lord, send us to Prince Albert. That's where <laughs> we want to go." And uh, and he did. Wow. Uh, we got you. I worked at the camp. Um, I worked there for a total of ten years, but after five years. I met um, so Jeremy Dorton and I. He's the the head of E3 here in Canada. Um, he uh, we we worked together at at the the church here, and then he left for Ontario to start E3. I carried on with the camp, uh, but I was very interested in what they were doing, and so I went to a four day training, and I think it was it was the same one that JF went to. Danny McKay had just come on board. He was there, and I was hearing stuff that resonated with my with my soul like being in ministry working with youth being having, having been a pastor um wanting to see the the gospel go out like everything that they were talking about it was simple it was easy to understand it was reproducible it could be done by anyone and it was for everyone who believed and i was like it gripped my heart so strongly and uh, I started. I took this back to our camp, and I started implementing this stuff in our in our camp as teaching. And and then that's when I met you as well. Jeremy brought you once. Um, so was that um, like uh, how long was that after the training, Sean? Uh, oh, immediately after the training, I started implementing <laughs> this stuff like hundred percent. And then uh, I got Danny to come over and speak, and he was like, "Man, you know what we." Um, and he, it was we had some great conversations, but part of them was like at summer camps we are wasting an opportunity because we're seeing a salvation as the, as the end goal. Uh, whereas that's just the beginning. Mm. Like discipleship is what we're called to do. We're not called to make check marks of how many people got saved or baptized, yeah. camp. <laughs> but that's exactly what we were doing. And so I just turned everything on its head. We're like, we're mm. going to give the gospel the first night. We're going to get everyone. And then the rest of the week, we're just going to disciple kids on how to disciple others. Mm. And it, it was, it was wonderful and it was great. And so I got an opportunity to go on, on a missions trip. Uh, my first one was to, and I'd done missions trips before, but nothing like this when I went to the Philippines and they're like, okay, you guys are the missionaries at the end of the night. You're just going to pray and uh, Jesus is going to heal people through you. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. No, I'm a Baptist. We don't do that kind of stuff. This was, your, so, this was your first mission trip? This was my first mission trip uh, in Canada. In Canada. Okay. In Canada. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was very skeptical and I was very nervous and I was very lacking in faith. And I was like, God, I know you've done this. I know you can do this. Like, um, I just want to get out of the way and let you work. And so please just ignore or excuse my own lack of faith or whatever it is and just just work through me. And so like we were, I mean, the first night there, you like you fly for like two days to get there. It's terrible. And then you drive for six hours. Once you arrive, you haven't slept. And then that night you're like out in the heat going, inviting people from villages to come to this thing. And then it goes all night as well. And there's a 13 hour time difference. It's a nightmare, but it was the most incredible experience because at the end they're like, okay, these people are going to pray for you and you've got a translator. And so the translator were like, okay, this person has got like issues with whatever. And then you pray for them. And then, and there's like a hundred of them just in your line, you know, <laughs> so you've got to get through them quickly. And so I'm seeing people are leaving, like offer a pray for them. They straighter, they smiling. They're saying thank you. And I'm like, okay, not every one of them can't be lying. I, mean, I know <laughs> Filipino people are super nice and super friendly, but can't not everyone. So there's one guy, um, I prayed for his eyes. And, uh, and uh, he, like, he could hardly see anything. And uh, so the translator says, oh, he, like, he smiles and he looks at me and he goes, thank you. And, and he leaves. And I go, whoa, 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 hang on. So I said to the translator, so does anything happen? He said, yes, you can see. And I'm like, wow, well, I don't know that, do I? I said, make him read that poster over there. And so he reads the poster. And I'm blown away because I can see. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. The only thing was I felt like at some point I felt tingling in my hands. Some felt I felt heat or I felt pressure. And it was different. And it was, and I was like, God, you're doing something. Like, what is this? And then, um, yeah. And so then, um, I mean, I've got to tell you another quick story. 
um, this is just glory to God, man. I went, I was the only, like, uh, the guy from Canada and I had one translator and we were about 40 miles away from our base camp, which was about two hours. Mm. And I get there and there's a young, uh, a grandmother with a young girl in her arms. The girl's about four or, or three or four. Yeah. Something like that. Um, little, but she looks like she's sleeping and I thought, Oh, what's wrong with her? Oh no. She's had a fever for five days. Like we're very worried about her. Her, her dad says I should take her to the hospital, but we don't have money. And also uh, God gave me a dream that I was going to come here and there was going to be a pastor and he was going to pray for her and she was going to be healed. And I'm looking around for this pastor and I'm like, she's talking about you, buddy. Like, and I was like, Oh man. So I just whispered up a prayer to God. I said, God, let this woman's faith heal this child because I don't, I don't know. I, I'm too new to this, you know. Mm-hmm. And anyway, preached a message. The little girl they put in a hammock at the back. I still remember so vividly. All you could see was her one knee sticking up. That was it. She didn't move for like two hours because the pastor did the children's thing. And then for an hour, then there was worship. And then I did my thing. And you've got to preach for like 40 or 45 minutes in the Philippines. <laughs> None of this 15, 20 minute sermon stuff, man. And, uh, and I said afterwards, like, if anyone would like to receive healing, come forward. And so I prayed a very tentative prayer for this girl. And God in his mercy did something. Because I prayed and like, it's on video. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was like, God, like, please heal this child, you know, whatever. Like she's sick and she was hot, man. She was so dehydrated. She wasn't even sweating. She was just hot. But there was like no sweat. And, um, and her eyes opened and then the grandmother went and sat down and I prayed for a few other people, but my spirit wasn't like, it was restless. And I felt Holy Spirit saying, go pray for again and just pray with authority. And so I just went up to her and I said, can I pray for one more time? She went, yeah. I said, "Uh, little girl, in the name of Jesus, be well and may your appetite return. That was it. (laughs) And then uh, I was speaking to the little girl, like I'm telling her. And uh, and then we went and sat down for lunch and I'm sitting next to the pastor and his wife. And these two little hands come up over the the, uh, table and grab a piece of chicken and a piece of watermelon and giggle and run off. And I'm like, wait a minute. I turn to the pastor. I say, is that that little girl? He goes, yeah, she's fine. She's healed. Yeah, praise God. Let's eat. And I'm like, wait a minute. You have no idea what's just yeah, happening in my head right now. We don't see that all the time. We don't see that all the time. Yeah. We take people, if your child's got a fever, you take them to the doctor. <laughs> and so I said, no, I've got to get photographic evidence of this because I have doctor friends who are not going to believe me when I show them this. Sean, I, I, could, I just want to share too, Sean. I remember in the Philippines yeah. with you, I, yeah. was, I was in a big line the same thing there was like thousands of people and every person that came oh yeah i'm healed i'm healed i'm like what what and some and there were some like really big healings yeah yeah (laughs) it's like i know like like god is working and you feel god working but you're like what is going on and john is incredible was this this was before your encounter like with holy spirit right so which is on that meeting really interesting too okay i'll yeah, man, I'll I'll wrap up with a couple more of those stories because yeah. uh, this has just been great. And thank you for being such a gracious <laughs> host and letting me just talk yeah. and remember things. Um, I So there were a couple of things that happened that preempted this was um, Wayne, who's also on E3, a wonderful, wise man. He would ask me about, have you ever you know received the Holy Spirit? And I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. I can show you, you know, chapter and verse. He's like, okay, do you, is there evidence of that? And I'm like, oh, of course there's evidence. And, you know, come on. Like, um, you know, I, I, I'm a missionary. That's evidence. He's <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay. Um, maybe, yeah, just find a little bit more. Have you ever spoken in tongues? I'm like, no, no, I, I, I prayed about that. I, and I told him how I was on my knees praying to God. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. He's like so gracious. And I would see him a few months later and he would ask me again. And I'd be like, no, no, no. But I started thinking about it and I started saying, God, like, are you trying to teach me something here? And um, so the the one time I'm in the Philippines and I don't know if you were on that trip. Oh, I, you might have been there, but we went on an, another mission trip for a few more days at Porta Princesa after yeah. this main trip. And yeah, we met here. some Kiwis and... Yeah. yeah, you guys left me. You're dry, going off to all the other islands. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I... Uh, I we were at this one place and this guy, he's not a pastor, he's like a 
mechanic or something. I don't even know exactly what he does. I can't remember. But he was teaching on being filled with the Holy Spirit and the laying on of hands and that sort of thing. And my heart's burning inside of me. So I'm like, okay, God. Um, so the, he t- finishes the teaching. I'm outside. Now, this is a, a dirty, dusty road in the middle of nowhere. Like you could see the mountains or the, the, the duck jungles where there are actual tribes that like have almost no human contact. So like we're in rural Philippines <laughs> and um, he comes out and I'm like, Hey man, can I just ask you something? He goes, yeah. Um, I said, um, uh, could you pray for me to be filled with the Holy spirit? And he says, well, do you want to be filled with the Holy spirit? I say, yeah. He just puts his hand on my chest. He goes, be filled with the Holy spirit. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. Boom! Like, like. Oh, I love oh when you, I love, I love when you shared it because somebody just logged in and and. Oh, <laughs> I feel like so I just got awesome. hit with the Holy Spirit when you said that. <laughs> well, I I I was completely hit. I lost like the use of my legs. Wow! Um, they did not. Like, fortunately, one of the guys knew what was going to happen, so he was behind me and he caught me. And I'm falling over. James is there, laughing his head off because I'm talking in tongues. I'm laughing. I'm crying at the same time. I'm feeling this this peace and this presence of God that I've, that is familiar to me, but not in the way that like it's just so incredibly intense and sweet and beautiful. <laughs> and um, and that that radically changed uh, something. Uh, in my, you know, in my walk with the Lord. And you said something when we were chatting last night, you were like, yeah, yeah. you noticed a difference. And it, it, you're, there was you're, a yeah, a you're, you're like a different person since that. Encounter. <laughs> you're like, not that you're, it's just, you have more like vibrant energy and more of a vibrant, like you're on fire. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely am. Um, and yeah, it's different. Like hearing God's voice, um, like these things that were so unfamiliar to me, like hearing God's voice, you would think like now when I talk about it, I'm like, it's of course, how could you live a Christian life and not hear God's voice? Hmm. But there is a, a large population of people that believe that it's only, you only hear God's voice when you read it in scripture. Even though scripture says my sheep hear my voice and they know me and they follow me. They're like, yeah, but that's through the lens of scripture. And I'm like, no, I can hear Jesus, man. I hear what he says to me. Like when he tells me to tell something to someone and I tell them and they go, oh, how did you know that? I'm like, um, Jesus told me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, that kind of stuff. And then healings, like started practicing that, you know, back in our city and people are getting healed. And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful, man. And then telling my friends about it and and a large, you know, the question that we would often get at church is why doesn't God do that here in North America? And I'm like, yeah, he does do that in North America. You can go on YouTube and you can see. And I've got friends in Ontario. And and by the way, some things are happening here in Prince Albert. I've prayed for people that have been well. I've been prayed for people in hospital that were very ill and they've been, uh, you know, made well. But largely that's not happening because people are not doing it. You know, like the key, the key is just step out in obedience. Just pray for people. <laughs> that's step, it. Yeah. Just step out. Uh, what I so, and, and this isn't mine. I heard it from someone. I don't even know who I heard it from, but it, 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 it got to the exciting sort of adventurous part of my spirit, which says, um, something like you haven't lived until you discover what is behind or what's on the other side of obedience. Mm. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's so true. Because before I was obedient, I would have all of these, these um, things in excuses. God's going to take away my fun. Um, Life is not going to be fun. Like I'm going to have to (laughs) give up so much, Uh, you know, and like all of those I realized were just lies from, from the enemy. Yeah. It's, I, I, I thought have more I thought, friends now. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing as along with you that I was. Yeah. I'm going to lose all my fun and and what mm. fun is this going to be? And I can say, and I'm sure that you can echo this, that since following Jesus has been the best, most exciting adventure. Every day I wake up and I'm excited for the day. <laughs> like I'm like, who am I going to meet today? Who am I going to pray for? What what is God going to do? I yeah, like I, I wake up and now my first thought is, hey, morning, Jesus. 
What do you want me to do today? Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. I know I've got stuff going on, but like lead me. And it's like, and he's there. And he's, yeah. he's there. And you, you know? even and tangibly like, feel oh, it, the oh, presence, you right? feel it, man. Oh, the presence of God. That's one of the most beautiful things. If you've, if you've never truly felt the presence of God, oh my goodness, ask him, <laughs> ask yeah. him, say, just please, I want, I want, I want that present that these two crazy guys are talking about, yeah. because it is the sweetest, most beautiful thing. <laughs> there is so much power in it, but there's so much awe, and you, you, you see yourself in relation to something <laughs> infinite and beautiful. But you don't feel ugly. You feel precious. Yeah. Like this, this beautiful God actually really does love me. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and, and when you feel this presence, you can't deny. Like, <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> no, you can't. There's, uh, like if you encounter, if you encounter Jesus, you truly encounter him, you will be different. <laughs> and you will serve him. You will serve him. imagining that? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, when you become the friend of friend of God and the friend of Jesus, you oh, it, it things change. So yeah, oh. so I'm all in, man. I um, <laughs> I'm I'm full time with E3. I I was flirting with trying to be a tent maker where I'd be half time missionary, half time working in finances, and uh, uh, God's <laughs> like, you got to choose. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got to choose. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you and you've you've you were just on another trip you've went on a couple on the last oh uh, yeah so i was in in ukraine in uh july okay uh, that was the the last trip that i did uh last year and then uh working with orphans as well as church planters and mobilizers in ukraine and we were actually in in some of the cities that are being incredibly were bombed and i found out yesterday because i've been speaking with a lot of my friends there that the guys that were <clears throat> that planted the the churches there, yeah, they got their families out, but they stayed. And uh, because they were like churches, one of the churches was men who just needed help. They'd been like either at drugs or whatever crime and stuff, and they they were people that society had neglected, and they didn't have anything. And these guys stayed to make sure they're going to be okay. And just like heroes man like just godly godly men um and then i've just come wow. back from colombia and i was in medellin colombia with two other e3 staff uh james and wayne and if if anything um like if you're watching this and you uh, i don't know about all this christian stuff i can tell you that when you step into a room of strangers and instantly there's a connection, like these are family members, but like mm. real family and family that I like mm. is nothing like it. Like the fun, the laughs, the late nights, worshiping, playing music, just having laughs together, going out, seeing God do incredible things, come back. <laughs> you're tired. You're mad at the trip leader who wants to debrief and it's one o'clock in the morning. But like, well, we just want to get to worship time. Can we finish with like all the healings that Jesus has done? <laughs> And it's so incredible. And so we saw God heal so many people in, in incredible healings, miraculous, like New Testament style healings. I heard some saw, of the testimonies from uh, uh, Pastor James and some of the yeah. testimonies were, wow. Bro, like lumps in breasts, seven lumps in yeah, breasts. They just, they just went away. <laughs> One woman had a had a another breast growing out of her armpit. Her her hormones were so out of whack. Yeah. That that was gone. Like her like her chest that was kind of sticking out like this went back down. Like, you know, the same woman. Like she had a pile of of they call them uh, doctor's notes or something like that. Yeah. Or exams. They call them exams, but it's like our doctor's notes, yeah. Um she wanted to show like us and we we're like, yeah, no, we don't care. Like we don't understand this. Jesus is gonna heal you. And he did completely. Like that thing was gone. <laughs> and um and that was you know there was people who whose backs were straightened bones that grew back in legs that that were missing from car accidents very recent things they had like you know those metal braces on the leg and couldn't feel like squishy prey there's bone you know that kind of stuff <laughs> That's and, awesome. uh, yeah and and then we trained all of these churches how to do that we're like this is not us we don't have some special powers jesus has given us all as his disciples authority to go and do this 
So let's just go and do it and let Jesus be Jesus. He always wants to work through people. He he did it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus could click his fingers and everything would be perfect. He decided <laughs> not to do that. He wants us yeah. to work through people because it takes faith to do this yeah. and faith pleases God. Yes. Yeah. yeah, man. Go on a mission trip with Brody if you ever <laughs> or like if you are watching this and you're like, I don't know, I want to see this stuff for myself. Go on a mission trip with E3. <laughs> like 100% you will see this. Or go out in the harvest field. God God is healing today. <laughs> mm, yeah, he is. He yeah. Is. If people can want to contact you, the best way, Sean, is just to add your Facebook or. Oh, yeah, man. The, add my Facebook, Sean Crookshank. I'm with E3. Um, and Sean, I was thinking, um, since we talked so much about healing for the last 20 minutes and all the incredible mm. things God has done, I know there's people out there that are believing for healing or need a healing. And also you talked about the presence of God, what that's like. And I know both of you have, and I have experienced that. Would you be able to pray before you leave just for the viewers or whatever the Holy spirit leads you to say? You know, my heart, God, that I do want people to experience you in a way that changes their lives forever. So I pray and ask that you will touch whoever's watching this, Mm -hmm. whoever reaches out to you and says, Holy Spirit, come, that you would come, that you would not only uh, fill their home or their, uh, their place, wherever they are, their car, if they're watching, with your presence, but with your healing power, I pray for your healing over those that are watching, that need a touch, that need to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Jesus that we speak about, we don't just speak about in words, but we have experienced and know him. And so I pray this over over the lives of those watching. I pray especially for your presence right now, that they would know that sweet, beautiful, tender presence of a living God, they would turn to you and that they would know you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Bless Brody and, and the work that he is doing with E3. And we thank you, God, for this time. Amen. Amen. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for coming and sharing your uh, incredible journey with us, Sean. Oh, man, it's been and, such uh, an honor. Uh, thank you so much, Brody. You're welcome. I'll talk to you later. You bet. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, everyone. That was Life on Fire podcast episode three with Sean Crookshank. I hope you enjoyed that episode, and we will see you next time.